0: Good morning, everybody. You're listening to X-Ray. I'm Jeff Smith, and we're coming at you live. Multnomah County right now has two initiatives in development that aim to provide preschool for every kid. We talked about one of them that's happening inside the county the other day. Today, we're focusing on the one that's happening from the people's side of the equation, focusing on the Universal Preschool Now initiative. Dr. Mary King is a professor of economics emerita and the former president of the full-time faculty union at PSU Portland State University. She is now here to talk to us about universal preschool now. Dr. Mary King, how are you doing? Very well. How are you this morning? i It's my birthday. That's how I'm doing. Yay.
1: All right.
0: So the initiative that you're working on is different than the one happening inside the county, the one that jessica peterson is pushing how is it different
1: the main difference is how many kids they plan to cover the programs are very similar they're looking at the same best practices model in terms of getting maximum choice to parents no one size fits all solutions choice of language choice of setting small large and length of day the big thing and the two campaigns have been in talks to come together for several months now The big thing holding them apart at this moment is how many kids they plan to cover with public dollars. And whereas the Universal Preschool Now program is aiming at every three- and four-year-old whose family is interested, right now the Preschool for All campaign is planning to raise about half as much money as would be needed to do that, although they're polling on that. And uh, so we will not get to preschool for all children in this program, What if with preschool for all. Now the thing to know is where Universal Preschool Now campaign has their ballot measure written and is collecting signatures to put it on the ballot, the preschool for all campaign, which actually I'm involved with both campaigns, which is funny, we can talk about that later if we want, but the preschool for all campaign does not yet have to put their language in writing. So. Things are unclear it's the ultimate shape it might take, but in the meetings, we've been focusing on raising about half as much money as would be required to provide preschool for all kids in the county.
0: Just to keep them straight, Universal Preschool now is the one that's maybe twice as big, covers more kids, more dough. The one happening inside the county. Uh, that is being pushed by a couple county commissioners that is preschool for all and that is the one that you would argue at this point might not be preschool for all it would be preschool for some more
1: exactly and the initial thinking in that campaign was that some people could afford it but the fact about preschool and child care is it is unaffordable it's unaffordable for working families it costs as much as rent or a mortgage and you put that together with what the price of housing is and student debt and all these other things these days, working families are in trouble, and they are not able, too many of them, to give their kids the kind of preschool experience and that really set them up for success in later life.
0: The dollar difference. About what do we know the dollar difference to be, and presumably that impacts the funding mechanism of this. Talk to us about that.
1: Well, that's absolutely correct. We've got a funding mechanism, which is a marginal income tax on the top 5% of households in the county, which Representative Alyssa Kenny Geyer was able to have our own uh, estimates of what that tax structure would yield uh, um, assessed by the Oregon Legislative Revenue Office. So what we know is that in 2017, the tax... Mechanism that we're proposing would raise have raised two hundred and sixty million dollars, and projected to increase over time with the ups and downs of the economy. So it should grow with the population and the economy.
0: And what is that tax mechanism? What is that funding mechanism? It's a tax on upper income Portlanders.
1: It's yes, exactly, Multnomah County residents in the with the top five percent of incomes and what those are, who those people are, are people who gross. A minimum of two hundred thousand a year if you're an individual, or two hundred and twenty-five thousand a year if you're a couple, and it's on the taxable income. So you take that income, then you take your deductions. It's on the income above those points, three three point nine percent.
0: Three point nine percent. So if you earn if you earn a half a million dollars, it is some real money. Uh, what's the reaction you're getting from the? Top five percent, and do you care?
1: Well, the thing of it is, it seems like it's real money, but when you stop and look at exactly what it is, say you're a couple with an annual income of four hundred thousand dollars, with uh, the average tax deduction, you would be paying just over six thousand a year. Now that sounds like, huh? Maybe that's a lot, but if you think about, you know, people have got their lives situated. This is where we want to live. These are the schools we want our kids in. These are the neighborhoods we want to live in. These are the commutes we want. Then that doesn't amount to so much that somebody's going to change their lives. It's six thousand. If you have a million-dollar house, you're going to pay a realtor $70,000 just to sell that thing. And it's 1.6% of your total income. It's not that much. It's kind of another long weekend in New
0: York or something like that. Because the concern, it sounds like you're responding to, is a risk, uh-oh, well, higher-income Multnomah County residents decide to live right outside the county so they don't have to pay for other kids going to preschool?
1: Right. I mean, the thing of it is people don't move for taxes like that. We've got a lot of evidence building now because the states have very different income tax structures, and like Portland, a lot of big cities are on the edge of the state boundary, and you can see if people do or don't move for taxes like that, and they don't just the commute alone is enough to dissuade people. So that's part of it. But the other thing to remember is that preschool is relatively cheap. It's something that we can accomplish without that big a tax, which is why we can take it on locally. We have a lot of big needs in this county, and many of them we cannot effectively tackle without a strong federal or at least state program. But preschool is something that we can do. That is something we can take on. And if you think about these tax rates, taxes do get a lot of attention, but our tax rates are so low compared to historically. People forget that for more than 50 years through the 20th century, the top tax rate in this country was over 90% at the top tax bracket. And now we're down to something like 37%. People are paying so much less than during our most prosperous years, but the machine that complains about taxes is does not stop. It will you know, whine and gripe forever until they're zero, and then they'll whine and gripe forever that they're not getting what they want out of the federal government. So that, I think, is a little bit of a red herring, and the thing to focus on is what a program like preschool will do for our economy and our community and for the big inequalities by race, by gender, by income. So it's a huge justice issue. It is tremendously effective at, uh, it's a two-generation anti-poverty program because the kids who get preschool who don't have that experience already, the evidence is so strong. This is the single best thing we can do to raise high school graduation rates. And you raise high school graduation rates and you raise people's incomes, you lower unemployment, you lower incarceration, you lower all kinds of things that keep people marginalized going on into the future. And so you provide kids a better life. And if kids are getting good care, their parents are able to get out and work more hours, maybe get more training, more education. They earn more, they can support their families better. So in that way, it's two-generation. It's good for the local economy, even if you don't have kids in preschool, because you've got a more skilled labor force, and you are more attractive to business. More business comes in, and they raise uh, earnings generally. That raises earnings for everybody. So the best economist on universal preschool is Timothy Bartik, and he will tell you that for every dollar you put into universal preschool, you get $9.45 back. So that's the kind of investment we have to be making, and we have to be making it with, you know, where the capacity is. Income has been really concentrating in the very top bracket for 40, 50 years now, and that's how we're going to be able to fund a program that benefits everybody.
0: I'm looking now at an article in the Association for Psychological Science, which backs up a bunch of what you're saying, that enrollment in preschool has been associated with less grade repetition, higher rates of high school graduation, improved social behavior. It also raises the issue of quality of preschool. It says, due to the prevalence of low-quality preschool programs, preschool in the United States narrows the achievement gap by perhaps only 5%, rather than the 30 to 50% that research suggests might be possible on a large scale if all preschool programs were of high quality. How do you ensure that the programs that we end up funding are high quality? Fortunately,
1: a lot is known about what is high-quality preschool experience, and there are elements that are both program-related, and that is that you focus on kids' social and emotional development. It's not about sitting down and doing worksheets and learning your ABCs. It's about being uh, together in groups, learning how to be cooperative with each other, and exploring the world. So learning and reading and vocabulary and all those kinds of things that come from playing with uh, really well-trained preschool teachers and that gets us to the second part of quality. The second part of quality is that you have to pay people in your pre- preschool classroom living wages and right now they're paid about half what the average is in Oregon. They're getting half what elementary school teachers are getting and people cannot stay in the field who love it. So the key to quality The keys to quality are two. One is program, but the other is paying enough that people who have experience, who have skills, who are dedicated to the field can stay in it. So that's absolutely critical. You have to raise the wages. Everybody says it, and it is a key distinction if you look across the country with where, um, you know, there are giant quality differences. You have to pay people better. And what we're talking about is uh, paying... Teachers comparably with kindergarten and elementary school teachers, and raising the absolute wage floor of teachers' aides, assistants, everybody else in the preschool, to um, 145% of the minimum wage, which is $18 an hour right now, and and keeping it up with the minimum wage so that we're always paying well compared to what people are earning right now. Here's here's a fun little fact, Jefferson, and that is I have an economist friend who ran the numbers for me. To say people who have uh, degrees in early childhood education, where are they working in our local area? Six out of seven of them are not working in preschool or childcare. They have invested in those degrees and then they have not been able to stay in that field. And most of them, the biggest group of them, are working in elementary school right now where they get a decent pay, benefits and access to a union, which is another element of what we're talking about, union neutrality.
0: And right now, you're gathering the signatures. How goes that effort, and when's your deadline?
1: We're looking at a deadline of July 7th. People are enthusiastic. Of course, we're so sad about not being able to do it in the way that we imagined we would, because I can tell you, having canvassed for this last summer to let people know about it and get volunteers. It's a tremendously popular idea. People love it, and you know we would be having a great time out in the field if we could just get out there. But we're uh, collecting a lot of signatures through electronic means, and that you reach out to your networks and um, members of your organizations and tell them how they can safely sign. Some people are. Um, also collecting in the communities, trying, you know, with uh, hand sanitizer and masks and all that kind of thing, if they feel that that's uh, something they're able to do, and we're having a great response. We are absolutely aiming at the November 2020 ballot. If we don't manage that, there's a, we could go for the May 2021. But November's our goal, and we are we have until July 7th to get those signatures in.
0: Bing Sheldon, uh, first citizen of Portland, in fact, named as such, Bing Sheldon approached me to get advice about starting an organization. We ended up starting called Portland Forward. that has been advocating most recently on police reform and on campaign finance reform. He gave a speech when he was named as a longtime architect in town, started Sarah Architects, was the head of the uh, planning commission when the Portland plan came out. It was uh, I said at his funeral that he had had as much impact on the physical landscape of the city of Portland as anybody other than Almighty God, he had gave it, He gave it a speech when he was named Portland's first citizen, and the focus of his speech was, in fact, getting every kid preschool. He looked around at the biggest thing we could do as a city before he passed away, and so the biggest thing we could do in Portland was, in fact, universal preschool. So I want to say, at the very least, thanks for that, and also thanks for spending this time. You had said just a little bit as we wrap about the dynamic of you working in both camps and in one respect it's one big camp right trying to do something but there's the inside baseball the one that's happening inside the county that's waiting on a poll they can refer it out to both to Voters, They don't have to gather the signatures. And so they don't have to release yet what elements of their plan might be. But it's going to be a smaller plan, probably less uh, fewer taxes, not covers many kids, not have as much money in the program. And then there is the universal preschool now program. Mary King, talk to us about the dynamic of working betwixt these two parallel efforts.
1: Well, as you say, they are both going for really what we absolutely want, which is many more kids to have more opportunities. The two programs share values, and they both prioritize, therefore, you know, kids in low income communities, black and brown kids who haven't had access, and uh, kids who face special challenges, all of whom... The impacts are huge to have access to a good preschool program. These are why we raise the, uh, the high school graduation rates and all the other positive rates. It's the transition right to kindergarten. So much happens right there if kids are, feel like they can negotiate that successfully and then catch hold right away. That's, that's the value, and that's the shared value of both. So it's why I, wanted, I had wanted to mention more that it's, you know, access to preschool, as you rightly say, is the larger team is for this because it lowers, it provides economic development generally, but it also really reduces disparities by race, which we're looking for these days, finally with some greater level of commitment, by income, by gender, and it's a justice issue. But the dynamics of two being in two are really, it's um, just this is a moment whose time has come. And so I tell people personally, I've got a foot in the other campaign and the rest of my body in this one because the more kids that we can get preschool to, the better. And it, universal programs have a strength that others don't have, which I wanted to mention, which if you look around, Head Start has been a very well-respected program, but it has not been fully funded anywhere in 55 years of existence. You know, even here in Multnomah County, it does not reach half the kids who are eligible. It reaches only 30%, and you have to be below the federal poverty line to be eligible, Our other great state program, Preschool Promise, reaches 2% of the kids who are eligible. The advantage of universal programs are that they are politically popular, they are easier to get decent funding for, which is absolutely crucial, and to sustain that funding, and then the outcomes are better. This is oh, this worth, this is worth
0: dwelling on for a moment, that the difference of saying, okay, if you can't afford it, you get a little check, and we'll give some check to some number of people is different than saying, hey, everybody gets it. In part also, I don't know if the word is stigma, but in part also to say, oh, no, this is something that everybody does. It's not just this school that people go to if they couldn't afford to go to a different school.
1: Right. Exactly. You do not start out life by segregating kids by income and that that entails. Everybody's in the classroom. It's good for all those kids to be together and learning together and exploring together, and it's great for the community.
0: The county effort is, as I understand it, being pushed by, maybe to some degree, led by social venture partners, which is largely comprised of kind of business, retired types who want to do good. And on background, it was shared with me that one of the dynamics that folks are concerned about is, well, if it's primarily rich folks that are pushing it, will they have as much appetite to tax themselves or tax their own class as an effort that is brought to the people by the people? Uh, And I am reminded of the dynamic of the arts tax. When I was lobbied on the arts tax, one of the last things I was lobbied on in the bus project offices years ago, I asked, well, why is this a flat tax? Why is this a, 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 a almost a head tax? And I was told by the, by the person who was doing it as well, the people who are behind it, you know, that's kind of what they wanted. And I knew what that meant. It was because the big supporters of arts organizations, rich people, didn't want to, Point the finger at members of the Mac Club, the University Club, and the Arlington Club as primarily the people who would fund it, and so it ended up being this weird thing where it's a everybody seems that pays the same dollar amount, even if they don't have the same income. Is that is that concern in your mind that the people behind it could have an impact on the kind of tax that is shaped?
1: Well, I mean, you're right, the arts tax is a terrible tax. There are a lot of ways in which it was designed really badly. But I, I would say the people who I've worked with, with from social venture partners, their hearts are in the right places. I don't know that they're driven by the kind of dynamic that you see, but they may be exposed to a lot of people they fear are. I think that's a possibility. You know, I also think that it's a philanthropic organization and some of the roots are more in charity rather than, than you know, this is what we collectively as a community should be providing for our children. And that is a very different perspective about what are we going to do with our resources, which we have in this county, with the needs we have in this county and how are we going to organize together to make that
0: happen Dr Mary King when can where can people find out more
1: they can go to our website which is www upnow universal preschool now www.upnow.org org and you will see all the instructions for how you can sign to get us on the ballot and how you can sell, safely get your friends and neighbors to as well.
0: Thank you so much for spending the time.
1: I really appreciate it, Jefferson. Have a good day. Enjoy your birthday.
0: Be well. You're listening to X-Ray. That was about Universal Preschool Now, one of the two initiatives being discussed to get us to all preschool for every kid. You're listening to X-Ray and radio is yours.